Welcome everyone. This is all about Windows Phone or Windows for Phones Insight Podcast 197, recording this on Saturday the 29th of October after a, a slight gap, but uh, Rafe and I have been rather busy and it's also been half term in the UK, but we're back again. Hi Rafe. Hello Steve. Yes, hello everybody. Recording on this on the Saturday, which is I think one of the first times we've done that for the uh, Windows Phone Insight. So keen are we to get you your uh, sort of semi-weekly dose, I guess I should say now. Uh, it's been a, a busy little while for all of us, uh, but we've got a lot to get through this time. Got new hardware reviews to talk about, software updates, and uh, there's been quite a lot going on in the phone world, what with one thing and another. So I'm sure we're going to find plenty to fill the time this week, Steve. And of course, uh, this going out probably on a Sunday as you listen to this, there will, won't be another podcast in two days' time. So we'll now jump nine days from this to the next podcast, but I'm sure that'll be absolutely fine. Rafe, I've got a new toy. I know you have. Yes, I'm, I have to admit to being somewhat jealous of your new toy. Yeah, well, you have had a play with this. I believe you first had, had a play with this. Was it Mobile World Congress all those months ago? Yeah, it's hard to believe now that, I mean, we're talking about almost, well, eight months ago when I first saw this device. Yeah. And it's just as impressive now as it was then in, in the sense that I would argue it's still kind of the, the flagship in some ways of the Windows 10 mobile world, at least in pure specification terms. We've talked about it lots on the podcast in the first version. Left us, I think it's probably fair to say, a bit underwhelmed, um, at least from the software point of view. The hardware was promising but wasn't really living up to its potential we are of course talking about the hp elite x3 but uh steve what's the story here what, what's different about the last time we talked about it well the last time we talked about it was when we had the hands on first of all i think it was back in june and then we had a, an early retail sample from clothes but both of those were on threshold i.e the, the the windows 10 mobile for, effectively from last year really with launching with the t- t- uh, 950, 950XL, it wasn't that different. What's different here, of course, is that the anniversary update, I, aka Redstone, is now officially on from HP. It rolled out to the X3 uh, a few weeks after the, uh, the the version for, for example, the 950, 950XL and 650 from Microsoft. So, But that HP are clearly working with Microsoft to customise it and tweak it for the Snapdragon 820 chipset and for the, the, the size of the screen, for the other hi- hardware unique features. So there's a lot of work going on here, and I do believe that HP is committed to this. Of all, from all the presentations we've had and uh, dealings with HP and their PR company, this is not just some fly-by-night Windows 10 mobile device um, for, from, from, from a small company in Asia. This is a one of the world's biggest uh, computing companies putting a lot of weight and a lot of their distribution support and network behind this device. So even though it's not perhaps aimed at consumers, even though it won't be in high street shops, it will certainly be a major device in the IT scene, I think. Yeah, and I think the important point is it's kind of emblematic of the current state of Windows 10 Mobile, given that we haven't had a a flagship uh, Lumia device announcement this year, and we're not likely to see one. There's, of course, the rumours of the Surface phone, but that at best is still a few months away, if not uh, a little bit longer and whether the Lumia brand gets retired in favour of the Surface is a, a separate conversation. Uh, but yes, I think there's a distinction here between some of the devices that have appeared, which have effectively been uh, Windows 10 mobile copies of Android models that have been successful on the market. Alcatel is a good example of that. Now, I don't want to write those off altogether, but clearly it's a little bit different to 
a device that really there isn't an android equivalent to this i mean um, hp do have some other activity in the mobile space but clearly this has been designed from the ground up intended as kind of flagship windows 10 mobile device and part of hp's strategy for kind of enterprise computing and we've talked before it's a really interesting way of doing it uh, just to be clear this is a review device that we've got from hp uh, that we'll be looking at over the next month or so there's going to be plenty of review parts the first has already gone up on the podcast we're going to be dissecting some of them no doubt a little bit of extra information and kind of behind the scenes of the review uh, but i think you know you, in this first part of the review steve you talk about hardware but can we maybe give a little bit of a spoiler um you know last time we talked about it on the podcast we were kind of waiting for the what it would be like running the anniversary update uh, do you think that's made a difference i mean it, it always felt like that was the software that hp had in mind for this device considering some of the continuum updates and presumably just also you know when it was scheduled that would be the software that was on it the fact it came out with threshold is maybe an interesting thing to talk about as we did on previous podcasts but you know now we've got the software that almost the phone was intended for do you think that's made a difference is it more stable is is it better performing Oh, by a million miles. You mentioned that HP had basically aimed the Elite X3 at the anniversary update. No greater um, example of that could be the fact the fingerprint scanner wasn't even working on the version that came out on the market. We thankfully borrowed one from Clove, an early retail sample, and it clearly it just was not ready for prime time. To have a fingerprint scanner on the back, the, the one fastest way into the device, that just didn't work at all. It was literally non-functioning because big Windows 10 mobile... Um, a threshold did not support fingerprint scanners, but it clearly does now. This is the version I, we told HP. You were in the room with me when I told them, "Look, do not release this until Redstone's out, because of, uh, and the scanner, because otherwise it will just be a disaster." Thankfully, most uh, other re tech review sites realised that the, the, those initial retail samples, and there were only a few around in various countries, there certainly weren't official review devices. Those retail samples weren't really review worthy. Um, and, and as such, most most sites then delayed like we did. With the anniversary update in place, it's absolutely ready for review. And HP themselves acknowledge that now. They, they're getting the, the full review kits to you know, which arrive in the same big box that we saw from Clove. But uh, this is now accompanied by press releases and the promise of a laptop in a couple of weeks as well. So HP are clearly ramping up the, the, the publicity machine now. And I think they feel it's ready for people to really get their hands on and to test out. So that's what I'm going to do. Yeah, it's probably worth saying that it's actually quite, it reflects is that HP have only now released the review devices and quite often companies do that when they feel confident about the, the hardware, whereas the kind of the retail release was probably down to some existing deadlines and contracts. Uh, but now obviously this is going out to reviews. They feel it's ready for prime time and, you know, any review we do will actually reflect that rather than sort of caveating around the fact it's kind of early release. I mean, we've done much the same in the past. I guess um, when we've had our hands on devices that hadn't been available widely in the retail market and quite often it was typical to get review software. It was just a couple of versions before, um, you know, what would be available for the public. That's become less common in recent years. Um, and it feels a bit of a, a switch to give HP a pass on this, given that it was something you could go and buy from Clove and any number of other retailers. Uh, but on the other hand, maybe the enterprise market is a bit different and it was in very limited quantities in the retail channel um, I, I guess we should probably try and run through some of the features. I mean, you mentioned the fingerprint scanner. 
um, is obviously now working. Does it work well? What's the positioning like? I know you, you kind of mentioned a couple of these things in the review, but you probably use the device a bit more now. Is it convenient? I mean, everyone loves it when they've got it on their Android or uh, iOS device. And what's it like on Windows 10 Mobile? I think it's absolutely wonderful in terms of uh, doing what it says on the tin. I would have the caveats that I still think Windows 10 Mobile gets in the way in terms of animations and saying, hello, Steve, or hello, Rafe. <laughs> you could just forget, I know I, I know it's me. You know it's me. Why do you have to pop up an animation on the screen that wastes a full second of my day telling me this? Why not just unlock the screen like every other Android phone and every iPhone? It does not need an animation and transition. That really should be a setting. But uh, that annoyance apart and the fact that it's on the back apart, which I know is a completely personal a subjective viewpoint. I, I, I love it. I, you basically put tap your index finger or whichever finger you've registered to the back of the device where it feels fairly natural in the hand and boom, the uh, the phone is unlocked and it's ready to go. And in fact, you don't, you don't even have to press the power button because as with several Android phones, just touching that fingerprint scanner also you know, activates the screen and turns the whole thing on. So works really well, Rafe. What's your preference in terms of where a fingerprint scanner should be on a device? Well, I, I tend to think it should be on the front at the bottom, but I think I probably that's a, a familiarity thing um, and it's what I'm I'm used to. So I've never used a device for more than a couple of months that's had it on the back and I always found it uh, a bit awkward. I mean, a, a lot of that was actually about it. If it was sitting on a desk or something like that, yeah. I could actually unlock the phone without having to pick it up, which is something I was sometimes doing, you know, when it's at work, when you just want to see a notification that's come in and you know i do actually like some of the cases that have the kind of non-slip back uh, if you like and so you know they tend to not slide about on the desk which other phones do and of course that's that's the other thing here is it's easier to find cases that you know keep the front free but maybe cover up the back and that's always seemed to to me been a bit of a downfall of positioning the uh, fingerprint sensor on the back but I mean, i'm really glad to see this arrive in windows because Ten mobile because once you start using these with devices, you know the idea of having to enter a pin number or whatever to unlock the device does seem a bit uh, antiquated. Uh, so yeah, it's a, a thumbs up from me as well. I mean, you mentioned that animation. I mean, you get something similar with the kind of the iris unlock on some of the Lumia devices. It feels less of a problem there because the whole iris thing does take longer, and I think actually it does confirm to me that. Um, iris uh, sort of fingerprint wins over iris just from a speed point of view which is all important on mobile devices and it's one of those times when the kind of if you like the legacy of desktop windows and that was where windows hello kind of first got introduced and then made its way down to mobile devices is actually a bad thing because obviously on a desktop or a laptop having it go hello rafe is, is not such a bad thing it doesn't seem like time is quite so much of the essence because you know with a with one of those you're probably unlocking it and using it for a, a long period of time whereas with a phone you know all the studies show that people can use it hundreds of times a day and if you have to go through that every single time you know yeah. if it's a second you know that's you know almost two minutes of your day watching a pointless animation and so i think microsoft would have been well advised to think about removing that i mean sometimes those animations there are to actually hide a delay in terms of unlocking or getting things ready and i don't know if that's the case here uh, but yes, don't always copy directly down from the desktop. I mean, we've learned that on layouts and applications, uh, but it seems like a minor quibble that. Yeah, the, of course, the iris recognition works exactly the same as on the Lumia on the Elite X3. So you have got the two options for authenticating. So, And also, if, if a device is on a desk race and a not notification comes in, then something will happen on the screen, even on the lock screen. So you can just press the power button, of course. You don't actually have to necessarily unlock the full screen. 
Yeah, in fact, I've just uh, just tested it while we've been paused. Yeah, basically, once if a text message or a notification of some kind from an application comes in and you're even away from your desk and you miss the toast message coming in, Rafe, you, um, with the device completely unauthenticated, you can just press the power button um, and swipe down on the lock screen. And there are your normal notifications um, with, with details. In this case, it was a text from Rafe, but it could equally have been a, a, a Facebook or a Messenger update or whatever. So, uh, yeah, I think it, it's, it's pretty well thought out, Rafe. And within the, the context of... Uh, the fingerprint scanner on the back, which is kind of where HP wanted. And in fairness, a number of other Android manufacturers have made exactly the same decision. So it's not totally unknown. I oh, think no. it works pretty well. Yeah. And of course, I mean, uh, although I was talking about that, it's a, with the notification side, actually covers most of the use cases. It's actually, I think, probably relatively unusual not to pick up your phone. And this is when I'm sort of <laughs> do, doing a little bit more, just sitting at the desk and probably just be, being lazy. And actually, some of that's overcome by kind of the uh, features where you can use the phone from your Windows 10 PC, of course. Um, I mean, I use the WhatsApp uh, app to sort of do that kind of thing from the desktop and equally I use it on other devices as well. So it's kind of a pattern I should probably try and use more. And actually, of course, the advantage of having it on the back is you actually typically have um, a bigger target than you can on the front of the device. And, you know, obviously space is really a premium on the front. So making the most for... Uh, whatever it might be, extra screens, speakers, et cetera, et cetera. It's such a, it's not a, a logical thing to do. Um, and like you said, I think it's really down to personal preference. Yeah. Now, I, in the review part one, I did go to in quite a length in terms of introducing the device, the Elite X3, and where it sits in the whole smartphone world and emphasising really yet again for the umpteenth time that HP is aiming this at businesses, at professionals. This is not aimed at Joe Bloggs and his Galaxy S7s and the iPhones of this world. This is not a direct competitor for those. It's not designed to be, and probably wisely so. Um, and that partly explains the pricing, of course. But having said that, of course, the really interesting thing for all about Windows Phone listeners and readers is... As a professional yourself, yourself, myself, and people listening to this, uh, we treat our smartphones seriously. We want it to do everything in our lives, productivity, media, work, remote de- desktop, all, all of that stuff. Um, we may want to pick one of these up. It's expensive. It's more expensive than a Lumia 950 XL at the moment, certainly. But is it worth it buying as an individual, not a company, not a business necessarily, but as an individual, is it worth paying the extra to get a flagship, top of the range, Windows 10 mobile device? And I have to say, the answer is yes, Rafe. I, I know I've been loaned this for two months to <laughs> do the review for All About Windows Phone, but if this carries on with me liking it, uh, as much as I do, I'm, I would seriously think about putting my own money down for one of these because it's, for most things, it's so much better than the whatever else is out there on this platform. Um, I, I've done numerous head-to-heads with things like the Lumia 950 XL with the X3 and uh, other devices in the world. So people know kind of how I feel about the hardware matching up. But apart from the camera not being quite as good, you know, almost everything else is a win for the Elite X3 in its current incarnation with the, with this update in place. Before the anniversary update hit, the 950XL was just walking all over the X3 in terms of performance and and speed and fluidity and, of course, the, the non-functioning fingerprint scanner. But now we've got that scanner. We've got the front-facing stereo speakers. We've got the gorgeous screen, which is not quite up to that in the Lumia 1520 because that was also six inches. This is higher resolution, um, but it's also not quite as contrasty. I think the Lumia 1520 had an, had an absolutely outstanding screen. That's still probably the benchmark in, for phablets in the Windows phone, Windows 10 mobile world. But the Elite X3 screen is great. It's gorgeous, certainly indoors, that AMOLED screen. 
Um, yes, and the camera's getting better. People have, may have seen my different camera shootouts, but I would argue that the X-Ray's camera is now certainly up with, uh, well, I say a Lumia 930 scale device from a year or two ago. And of course, you know, that, that Lumia 930 was rated as having one of the best cameras in the phone world at the time. I do believe the 915 is now is, is, is the current champion. I think that will be the champion for another maybe up to another year or so until the competition catch up but uh, this X3 is only about one notch behind that Rafe and everything else is an upside for a Lumia 950 950XL owner yeah yeah and it's interesting I mean just the camera stuff first uh, you've notably said and I, I completely agree with this that actually the differences between the top end devices have become smaller and smaller so there's kind of diminishing returns now I think there's still room for something you know, to leap out the recent iPhone with its dual cameras or the iPhone 7 Plus, we should say, is a, a good example. And obviously it was something that Nokia and later the Lumia devices uh, did several times. Um, but it, it's kind of that good enough thing. But it is the caveat that probably uh, I would say personal users need to be aware of. You are sacrificing a little bit on the camera, arguably, given that this is uh, basically one of the most expensive smartphones that you can buy. Um, and, you know, you need to be aware of that. But honestly, hearing you talk about it like that, I think that's pretty stunning uh, step forward for the HP Elite X3, given where it was and that you're talking about it, uh, you know, in the same sentence as the 950 and other high-end smartphones. It's really to HP's credit. Um, I want to go back and just comment on something you, you said earlier. You know, it's designed for enterprise users. And there's an interesting question about whether personal people, you know, people would buy it as a personal device. And, of course, they have that option. Uh, I mean, I think there's a cost thing here and the kind of positioning or the way that the phone's put together. Um, it is very expensive from a cost point of view. I mean, with the desktop, you'll be paying £589, excluding that. Um, if you start doing the laptop as well, it gets very expensive. But I think that's <laughs> a conversation for another time. You're going to review that in due course once we get our hands on it. But actually, uh, it does feel like the new high-end price for, for smartphones for the UK you know, it does seem to be heading towards you know, 650, 700 pounds. I mean, you see it in the Google Pixel, the most recent iPhones now, without touching too much on British politics. Part of that <laughs> is because uh, the uh, the British pound has uh, weakened versus our other currencies after the EU referendum vote. Yeah. Um, and so we have to take that into account. And actually, if you look at it in other markets, it is coming in at a price that would have been about 550 uh, or so, you know, 12 months ago. So fair enough, it's basically uh, top of the line. But I think that makes a lot of sense from HP's point of view, because producing just another uh, device probably wouldn't have made it stand out all that much. And there would have been other options out there, either, you know, keeping uh, one of the Lumia devices, maybe even some of the other uh, Windows 10 mobile manufacturers or indeed Android devices or, or whatever it might be. If you're going to go for a, a device that works well for enterprise, I actually think the cost of the device becomes less significant once you get past a sort of three or four hundred pound mark simply because you know these devices tend to be divided into two categories kind of mass market or sort of mass rollouts where it is actually devices like say the lumia 650 that will get used to equip everyone with a phone and then you know maybe it's the executive level or people who are out on the roadblock will get the higher end devices the ones that are more capable and by adding on that extra cost they really are adding extra capability to the device you know the fact that it has got that big gorgeous screen makes it more usable as a device for running kind of particularly productivity applications it has fringe benefits for entertainment as well of course and particularly when you look at some of the continuum functionality and when you get into the laptop and all of those things you know that 
offers something that you don't really get with other smartphones. And it's, it's quite unusual in this day and age to be able to talk about that as a enterprise-focused device. And yes, it does sacrifice some bits on the consumer side. We kind of mentioned the camera. You could make some arguments about the size and some of the other bits and pieces. And I, I, I do wonder how HP will support it from a consumer point of view. And you know, there's been this age-old discussion in the kind of the smartphone world, particularly amongst those of us who have commented for a long time, against the idea of enterprise-specific devices, uh, simply because you know people don't suddenly spend all their time working. They do switch off and have a personal life as well. But actually, this ticks most of the boxes on the entertainment. Now, this is not sort of... Uh, well, I, I don't want to lambust Blackberries or the E-series devices, but they sometimes felt like they got the balance wrong and they came from the days where people did ca typically carry two devices and they'd have a work and a, a personal phone. And uh, actually, I'm still in that position, but that's more about because I want to carry more than one platform around. So I've got experience of multiple devices there. Um, but it, it feels like HP have actually been quite smart in the way they've positioned this. Now, yes, I think it would be great if they could produce, reduce the price a bit from a personal user point of view. I'm not sure that's going to really have a big impact on enterprise sales unless they were able to reduce it, it right down. But it, for me, it's that cost thing that makes it a difficult sell for the, whether we want to call them prosumers or personal users, whatever it's going to be, um, particularly when some of the things about the uh, HP and Tech 3 that make it really great are additional add-ons and more expense. So the laptop, and we'll also uh, talk about the virtualization uh, technology. I know you're going to look at that more detail in the second part of the review, but uh, you know, looking um, at HP Workspace, which is one of the most unique things about the phone, makes less sense per perhaps from a personal point of view, but no, we'll, we'll, we'll come on to that. But all in all, you know, reading the first part of the review, what struck me was it's kind of the maturity of the device from a hardware point of view for that enterprise use case. But also, you know, some of the disappointments from the software had bled across into the hardware. And it does feel like it's now able to take full advantage of the hardware. And part of that's about, you know, optimization around the hardware. The fingerprint's a good example, but just other bits and pieces. And so, it, I mean, I haven't used this with the new software on it. So, you know, Steve's in the best position to comment, but I think it's a pretty stunning endorsement when you're talking about saying, yeah, this is a device that you feel, whether it does or not in the end, but could replace your Lumia 950 is, is pretty amazing to my mind. Yeah, and I've said many times in other podcasts, if something actually fills the, the need you have and something is high quality bit of kit, it's actually worth paying for. It's the reason why people pay yeah. £1,500 for a MacBook, for example. It's It's not that it's necessarily... Um, three times better than a £500 Windows laptop. But if it's absolutely what you need and you know it'll last five or six years and give you a quality premium experience for that time, then why not? If something is high quality and it's going to last you for two, three, even, even beyond a years, then then why not invest in it? After all, there's the, the, all the overhead in your time trying out different phones, buying, selling, swapping, searching around. When you find a phone, there's that solid and it's got every feature you ever want and will likely want for the next couple of years. And I think it's, it doesn't actually matter what it costs. You, you, you make the investment because it's going to pay it back uh, threefold uh, uh, in terms of uh, your enjoyment and your productivity and your use out of it. And just to go back to the, the, the terms of the, uh, the price for a company, uh, if this is, a, say, a small business, which is particularly where a small and medium business is, particularly where HP Workspace is aimed at. Maybe we'll come to the pricing on that in a moment. But uh, Let's say you're buying uh, X3s for a couple, say take three staff members. Okay, each X3 is 500 and whatever it is, 89 pounds plus fat, so just over 500 pounds. Um, but 
for the those three staff members, you're paying their salary. You're you're paying them whatever it happens to be twenty, thirty pound, thirty thousand pounds a a year. You're also paying all the overheads and insurance of of having an employee in the first place. The the whether it costs five hundred pounds or seven hundred pounds or even a thousand pounds with the laptop and all the bits is actually neither here nor there. If it's getting your employees out in the field, getting the job done, giving them the tools they need, is actually the actual actual price is quite a small uh, proportion. It's quite a small fraction of the overall costs of doing business. Yeah, I think that's a really important point to make. I mean, clearly for an enterprise, this would be considered something like um, overhead. I mean, or let's not get into accountancy, uh, <laughs> but because uh, I know there's people who listen to this who will uh, give me uh, trouble for saying, say, explaining it the wrong way. But there is a cost here that is relatively small against the economic benefit that an employee will bring in. Yeah. And if it isn't, you wouldn't buy them this device. I mean, the whole point about this is to potentially save a bit of, bit of money in terms of capital expense because you may not have to buy them a laptop as well as a phone. Um, but it's also about the efficiency and being able to support the user. And so typically for an organization, actually the costs are less in the actual hardware and more in having to support the user and the cost of licensing the software. And in that sense, the HP and X3, you know, I think does do uh, quite well, but also it's the flexibility of being able to run uh, certain types of applications, you know, from a single device and particularly for people on the road. And I think as a you know, Salesforce uh, tool, for example, this is really very interesting indeed. And it's interesting that there is a Salesforce tie up with the Elite X3 in terms of the software as well. Yeah. Um, but when I say Salesforce, I mean, people out on the road doing selling or who are constantly on the move. This is not something that makes sense for people who are going to be sitting at a, a desk all day. And so you know, you have to judge it in that context, I think, and, and thereby it, it does look pretty good. I mean, you did actually write up uh, some details on HP Workspace pricing uh, and as you say, it's sort of, it, it, there's actually a monthly usage and then there's a price and there's two tiers, essential and premium. Yeah. Um, looking at it, it looks about right. Of course, the, the whole point about this being able to run those x86 applications, which, you know, talked about for ages, is actually this is a way of doing it, albeit kind of, a, if you like, a, a workaround. Uh, but I think we'll probably save that for a future podcast because I know, Steve, you're going to be looking at that in a little bit more detail in the next next review part. Um, but in, in terms of other hardware, um, it's probably just worth emphasizing again that the overall build quality is, you know, impresses, as you put it, from the moment you hold it, because it's a lot more solid than the, the Lumia 950XL, which we've acknowledged as being disappointing, perhaps from a design and materials point of view, you know, because of the plastics, it, it wasn't one of those kind of fabulous design language like the N9 or the Lumia 800 that really stuck out in the mind. This is now, and the X3 is a very different flavor, you know, very different design language to, to Lumia, but it does feel incredibly solid in the hand. And even if we're talking about software updates and kind of new thing, it is worth just really re-emphasizing that, I think. Yeah, well, I mentioned the 1520 earlier, the Lumia 1520, which is now, what, almost three years old? Wow, time flies. But it, it did, did remind me of that. Obviously, the physical plan size is similar, but also the solidity, that fabulous design on the, nine, on the 1520, which... Many people have remarked that was their favourite um, sort of Nokia design uh, of recent years, and this this just remind me of that. It's that very that very solid, durable polycarbonate. And I just wanted to mention durability because before we move on, because talking about this, whether it's, it's, it's you or me, 
uh, who tend to look after their phones. We do. We are living a, a kind of mobile lifestyle. But once you start talking about employees and you're sending them out on the road and they're chucking their phones into car glove boxes or whatever or docks and throwing them around building sites and hospitals and whatever else, you, you've, the phone's got to be durable. And one of the key, key selling points on this, and I can't emphasize this enough, is that the X3 is very, very solid. You, you, you were at this original presentation with me, Rafe, when they were introducing this and that the mil spec 810G, or with including all the different humidity and drop tests and temperature tests and the full waterproofing. You can drop this in your stream in Sussex and come back, <laughs> come back a day later. It'll still be working. You just pick it out, dry it off and it'll carry on working. So uh, a phone that's designed to be used as a professional tool year in, year out. Uh, and just carry on working whatever abuse it takes, uh, I think, uh, is, is essential. And I think the X3 kind of lives up to that. The only caveat, obviously, for a big touchscreen phone is if you do drop it face down onto glass, onto something hard, then you might have a problem despite the Gorilla Glass 4. But apart from that, your average drop onto corners, whatever, it's plastic. It'll just, it might scrape a bit. It'll just deform and bounce back. It won't, it won't dent. Um, it shouldn't shatter the glass, and, and it's, it's been tested by HP numerous times to, to, to avoid that happening with the internal build and the sho shock absorption and so forth. And the waterproofing is just a, the, 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 you know, the icing on the cake, really. It's a very, very tough phone, and it just feels like it could do a couple of years of useful service for someone. Yeah, and, and obviously it's probably worth saying we haven't put the review devices through uh, <laughs> <No>. <laughs> all, all of those tests. And um, actually a lot of other phones would be able to approach some of these standards, but the fact it's actually certified for these and has been tested, I think, means that it will survive scenarios that other phones would not. And that's it is significant for an enterprise device. And when you think yeah. about uh, the future that this device may have in terms of you know, when it's being used, maybe out on a a factory floor or in more extreme conditions, you know, surveyors, perhaps um, that actually makes a difference. It, it's, you know, more likely to survive. One of the things that we sort of talked about before was the pogo pins on the back and the uh, possibility that has for uh, you know, extensions and other accessories, you know, think of being able to put a sleeve on it that might make it more robust or add an IR scanner or something like that. Um, there isn't anything available as of yet, but that's interesting to think yeah. about the possibility. And actually, you know, if you were doing a big enough install, actually companies might get something custom built to, to do something like that. It's not impossible to imagine something like that. And as you say, you know, the plastic really does have its advantage over some of the kind of the recent trend seems to have been for more all metal phones, which, you know, they do scratch more easily. The, you know, they don't deform in the way that plastic does. And so can often, uh, you drop it on one corner, but damage it elsewhere. You know, the glass shattering yeah. plastic example of that in yeah. some ways. Um, and so it's quite refreshing to see this uh, as an option. I mean, again, it comes down to very personal preference. But if you're, you know, in an environment or you know you drop your phone or wh whatever it happens to be, actually a lot of those other phones may be ruled out um, because of that. And so you know, this becomes something you could, can think about. Now, there are plenty of other phones, so it's not particularly unique. Uh, but I do like the choice that HP have made here, given um, you know, who's going to be using, using the device. Um, we've been praising the hardware quite a lot here. Um, there's sort of one thing that still is a bit disappointing for me. Um, we talked about the B&O branding on the speakers. Um, there hasn't really been any changes there that uh, I'm aware of in terms of the kind of the software updates. It, you know, we've seen a lot of this branding on phones before, um, and sometimes it, it's very genuine. I mean, the Carl Zeiss optics on some of the Nokia devices springs to mind, but we've also seen others use, 
you know, like NJB. And sometimes it feels like it's a bit of a con. Um, I think the B&O branding in this case is somewhere in between the two because this is not by any means the best uh, speaker on the market, but it's pretty decent. But if there was a a one that doesn't make sense, I mean, this is definitely a feeling that HP have that partnership really for some of their consumer products, particularly laptops and things like that. Um, But, you know, it it makes sense on a consumer smartphone. On an enterprise device, maybe less so. So it's hard to be really critical about it. But it does feel like a little bit of a, if I was going to say one thing about hardware that's a bit more negative, that would probably be it. Yeah, well, the, the, in fairness to HP, and I, I, this kind of feels like us apologising for some of, some of the <laughs> weaknesses in the phone. But it, yes, those stereo speakers, they're, they're not half bad. The, the reason I was complaining at all was the fact they didn't have the bass and the fidelity of some of the other more music-centric phones. But we must remember, this is an enterprise-stroke business tool. And it's, I, I think B&O, if they were involved, they, they were involved in tuning the speakers to be optimised for the human voice. This is, this is designed so that when you're on a speakerphone call or a conference call or a video call, that the human voice and those middle frequencies sort of, I don't know, to 5 kilohertz, 10 kilohertz, that those come out loud and strong. And they do. It's just that if you try and listen to a, I don't know, a Leona Lewis on YouTube later on, <laughs> you don't quite get the full range of her voice and the, the bass accompaniment. I think that's fair enough for the device. You're not necessarily expecting full music fidelity so and i i'm still up to optimistic that as they improve the camera maybe uh, firmware updates will then further improve the driving of those speakers okay that that that's fair enough maybe um i mean i i, I still think it's more about marketing and perhaps a bit of a mismatch for an enterprise device but then i didn't have my weetabix this morning and maybe i got outside the wrong side of bed so feeling a bit grumpy uh, but <laughs> All in all, I mean, as I think you described very capably in this the first part of the review, which you can read on the site right now, you know, the hardware is looking very promising. I mean, all the other things make sense. I mean, it's things like Quick Charge 3.0, like to have support for both uh, wireless charging standards as well. That means, you know, you've got lots of flexibility on getting more power into the phone and also getting it recharged very quickly indeed. And it's a big 4,150 milliamp hour battery. It's huge. Battery, so. I haven't managed to get below about 60% in, in, in wow. almost a week of testing. I, I've literally not gone below 60%. Whatever I do to it during the day, I can't drain it. So there you go. So that would lead me to think that it would last two days without too much of a struggle. And I'm, I'm betting that Steve is using the phone quite a bit as well. This is not yeah. a leave it on the desk all day uh, on test. So yeah. all in all, really impressive. I guess we'll talk a little bit about the camera. More, uh, we did that earlier, but we'll probably talk about it more in some of the, the future review parts. But um, I, I do notice from your... Uh, comparisons and some of the head-to-heads that you've done, there's definitely improvement from some of the early versions uh, that we saw. Yeah, absolutely. Do go and look at the comparisons, and I'm sure there will be more of those. Of course, an up-to-date comparison between the X3 and the 950 and 950XL is an obvious one to do, but but given that imaging isn't this device's headline feature, I did want to just (laughs) subjugate my normal enthusiasm for doing camera (laughs) heads just slightly and and concentrate on the things the phone's supposed to be good at, which is all the, you know, the productivity in the office and the workspace and continuum. So I'm I'm deliberately restraining myself, Ray, from going out and shooting photos. And of course, this is late October in the UK. The sun's not exactly out at the moment. So the, 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 the opportunities for testing things like dynamic range are not really there. Um, I want to just move on quickly. I know we're going to running long, long, Rafe, and we'll save a few of the topics for the next podcast. But uh, we, there was some more hardware, 
almost released over in America. We, there was a Microsoft event this week where they launched the the, the, new, the name of the new Windows 10 update for next spring, which is the Creators Update. Um, most of those features will be apparent on things like the HoloLens and, and this the Surface tablets and touchscreen devices and so forth. But of course, that 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 Redstone 2 Creators Update will of course arrive on mobile as well, and you can test it on the Insiders program. But uh, well, we were expecting the T-Mobile's uh, variant of the Alcatel Idol 4S with Windows 10 VR, which is the most cumbersome name ever for a smartphone ever. <laughs> we were expecting that launch on the same day. In fact, it did appear on the same day on the T-Mobile website and then got quickly pulled again. So maybe T-Mobile, T-Mobile weren't quite ready. But uh, do go and have a look at the story because I did screenshot it. And it, it's basically the Idol 4S, which is an Alcatel a device based on a TCL reference design. It's basically a high-end, well, mid to high-end Android phone that's been shipping across the world for a couple of months. And this is the Windows 10 mobile version. I suspect, Wraith, this is going to be formally launched sometime next week as we record this. And I hope it comes to other carriers and take across the world. Alcatel do seem to get their, their devices into high street shops across the world. So there's no reason really why this shouldn't appear in most markets in some form on some carrier. Yeah, and it's interesting because clearly the the VR uh, piece of this does hint at, at what's to come. I mean, not really surprising given uh, Microsoft's emphasis on 3G and holographic computing. And we kind of were wondering how that was going to fit into mobile. Don't really have much more on, on details. But um, as you say, it appears to be shipped with Alcatel's kind of VR visor. So uh, I think this may be different from some of the kind of Windows 10 VR headsets that were announced at kind of Microsoft's. Uh, recent event but yes i mean i don't know i i saw the idle 4s myself the android uh equivalent at least for the first time the other day. i was quite impressed as a piece of hardware and so it feels like it might be a, a step up from the the jade primo uh both in terms of kind of feel in the hand and we'll have to see obviously what happens with uh, an update and that feels a bit speculative talking about a phone that sort of is, at best has been semi-announced and really it was probably a mistake on T-Mobile's part, but one can assume that given that it's actually uh, uh, on the site, um, I suspect that they have decided to range it and it is coming and they're just waiting for the uh, for, formal announcement. And as you say, yes, I hope that other people uh, uh, pick it up as well because it does look pretty intriguing um, and looks like yeah. a, a pretty interesting design. And actually contrasting with the uh, Elite X3, sort of perhaps a more consumer-friendly or sort of more stylish design. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I have to wait and see on that one. Absolutely. Well, if you can hear the funeral march starting in the background, that is because I'm not only demoing the X3 speakers, but uh, I'm mourning the end of of Skype for Windows Phone 8.1, the old client, Rafe. It has been deceased. It's gone to meet the choir invisible in the sky, etc. I did put up a story about this. This is interesting, Rafe, because Microsoft announced this a while ago, that the old Windows Phone 8.1 Skype client would be not only going away and unsupported and so forth, as from October, which we're now in, it's actually been removed from the store now. So if, if you did hard reset, for example, your old Lumia 920 or whatever, uh, and then you know, bring it back up and even, even try and restore your settings, when it comes to the vital bit of reinstalling Skype from the store, it won't be there. It's physically been unpublished. So you will be left without a Skype client completely. And I reckon I put an editorial along these lines, Rafe, and we'll finish with this this particular thought. But uh, given that Skype is a fairly fundamental part of the Windows Phone experience and Windows experience, given that you physically can't install Skype on 8.1 devices anymore, I think they should be sending messages out now to people on 8.1 phones that can be upgraded to Windows 10 Mobile saying, OK, look, we admit it. We told you Skype was going away. Skype's going away. You can't install it anymore. But 
Skype preview, the Skype universal Windows platform app is alive and strong and we're updating it every couple of weeks. All you need to do is upgrade your phone to the new version of Windows 10 Mobile. This is Here's the link to the Upgrade Advisor. Go get it. Go upgrade. I think there are enough advantages that certainly for certainly for eight, Lumia 830 and 930 owners, they, they should be proactive at this point to stop people saying, well, where, what's happened to Skype? Um, you know, the 8.1 client, even if it's installed, is going to stop working in a couple of months' time. Microsoft needs to pull the finger out. I think they need to be proactive. They need to email people. They need to get the word out to people who can upgrade. Now is the time to think about upgrading to Windows 10 Mobile anniversary update with Skype Universal Windows Platform Preview. It really is the way to go if you need Skype. Yeah, uh, that that's right. I mean, if you need Skype, you really have little choice now unless you are kind of on a, on a legacy thing and don't hard reset. To be fair, Steve, I think most people will find that it will just keep working uh, for the time being, although I say that and sort of touch wood because, of course, at some point the behind-the-scenes stuff necessary for Skype will probably stop working even for those that do have it installed on kind of an yeah. older device. And um, you know, it's one of those things where you read about this and you go, Microsoft, why you know why why do this? Because it's just irritating people. It results in bad news stories. Actually, the number of people directly affected by this, because as you say, it's basically if they do a hard reset, they can't then install it, or if they don't already have it installed, they can't then choose to install it. I think the number of people that actually affects is probably quite small. Because if people are you know are are still on eight point one, of which there are a sizable number, we know that. Um, they've probably already got the app installed and they're using it. I think a bigger problem will come where they do switch off Skype for the older devices. Now, um, Microsoft has talked about this is due to the changes in some of the underlying infrastructure for Skype effectively. And yeah. honestly, it's difficult to read between the lines on something like that. We don't have a full technical understanding of what's going on. I mean, in one sense, you kind of have to take Microsoft at their word that for whatever reason, uh, Skype would stop working in its current configuration. And the only way they presumably could change it is if they uh, released an update for the older devices. And, you know, quite rationally, they said, actually, we want to concentrate our resources elsewhere. It's definitely going to be disappointing for those those people um, if it does stop working. We'll have to see you know, how long and when that happens. And I suspect that will be a bigger story. But yes, you know, this is kind of part of the road to that, I guess. And um, really, it, it, for those that can run Windows 10 Mobile on their devices, I really think it makes sense to do so. And I suspect the people listening to this podcast have all either got a device capable of running Windows 10 Mobile or um, have, you know, yeah. upgraded one of the older devices already. And so it's probably, you know, it's a bit of a storm in the teacup for those people, and perhaps not a terribly interesting discussion to to listen to. Uh, but I actually <laughs> think your, your wider point, um, which you actually wrote another story on, is kind of, why isn't Microsoft pushing Windows 10 Mobile harder to Windows Phone 8.1 users now, which is kind of the point you're making. And yes, yeah. it does seem surprising to me that um, they haven't done more there. And you know, the reason I say that is because I've got various family members on uh, Windows Phone devices, and most of them have just stayed on 8.1 despite having hardware that's perfectly capable of being upgraded. You know, Part of that was because um, I, I kind of leave them to their own devices in, in one sense, but I've prompted a couple of them and said, no, no, it's fine. It's working like it is now. And I've shown them Windows 10 Mobile and some of the benefits. And they're just not that interested. And I think that's probably true of a lot of uh, Windows phone users who are quite happy with what they got. And they kind of you know, don't see the benefits of, of changing something. And to be fair, Windows 10 Mobile is quite a big change. And I think we've talked before how it becomes almost more like desktop Windows, more of a computing-like environment. 
and they're sort of foam first. And I feel like I've been saying that like a broken record about updates for a long time. But over the years, you know, the smartphones have moved more and more towards being complex devices. And particularly with Windows 10 Mobile, there's something in almost the way it's presented that I think reinforces that. And so I can understand why people might not want to. Other friends absolutely have updated and have been delighted with it. Um, but, uh, you know, you're right to say if Microsoft pushed a message out, I'm sure more people would update. Uh, and it's just with as with the updates for Android or iOS, if you're given a, a dialog box about it and kind of prompted to do it, I think you're far more likely. And, you know, you could explain some of the benefits. I mean, as you talk about in the story, there's the Windows 10 Upgrade Advisor, which, you know, helps you and walks you through some of that. And so... Yes, I mean, you, you said at the time, maybe it's it's give it a bit of time and and that there should be a, a program to kind of not force it, but to encourage it. And yeah. as you quite rightly say, it didn't happen a few days later, it didn't happen a few months later, it's six months later, and it still hasn't happened. So I, I do wonder whether someone at Microsoft, not, it, it's unfair to say asleep at the wheel or anything like that, but um, just a little bit of concern for some of the existing user base would be good. I suspect it's sort of formed a bit by the wayside because, you know, it's not a small thing to get something like that going. And, you know, there's been big, big changes in the Windows 10 mobile teams and the developer teams at Microsoft. And so, you know, they're kind of in a new era and that's what they're thinking about. But forgetting your installed user base seems to be a a little bit unreasonable to me. Um, And even if it was just a few messages, I think it would be a good thing to do. I mean, you make a great case in the editorial about this. Um, And, you know, you suggest something like an email going out. I think it should be possible to, you know, do a push message onto the phone or to do an update, you know, or a critical update that kind of pushes that thing a bit more. Um, And, yes, it was interesting to see that this provoked quite a few uh, uh, discussions in the comment, much of which was actually sort of people talking about how 8.1 being rock solid and stable, and completely understand yeah. that because we have talked about you know Windows 10 Mobile being um, a little bit messy at times. So it's a very difficult one to judge because you know so look at friends and family and see them perfectly happy on their existing devices. And so do you really want to break that and all the problems that brings and all the support costs? We kind of referred to that earlier with the Elite X3, that that's actually a bigger cost. And obviously that would fall on Microsoft, even if they have now shifted some of that off to a third party. It's 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 actually a trickier question than my at yeah. first because all the geeks would just go, yeah, yeah, do it, do it, do it. <laughs> but everyone else, you know, change isn't always a good thing. Yeah, well, let, let's face it. Most people, if they got the message that I suggested, Microsoft's basically saying, look, Skype, Skype is uh, is is now go- going away. We'll stop working very soon. For Windows Phone 8.1. You're an 8.1 user. We know you. We love you. But if you want to carry on using Skype, you need to look at the Upgrade Advisor and think about upgrading the OS. Most people will actually think, well, I don't use Skype much on my phone. I'll carry on with 8.1 and be very happy. And that's exactly what they'll do. But Microsoft at least needs to give people the chance and the information because if say 10% of those people do use Skype regularly and all of a sudden one day it stops working, they're going to say, hang on a minute, what happened? And if Microsoft, they think, hang on a minute, Microsoft sent me a, an email two months ago all about this and I completely ignored it. Ah, there's the answer. And then, of course, they can mm-hmm. go and upgrade. But I, I just think thinking ahead is probably the way to go here for Microsoft. Yeah, that's such a, that's such a good point. It's almost an education program um, and potentially yeah. sending out some of the emails like that would save them headaches later on when people do contact them complaining <laughs> about it. I mean, you know, it, it, it's, it, it is an interesting one. I mean, this is all, of course, reflecting the fact that and there has been a change in the way that Microsoft positions and thinks about 
Windows Phone on Windows 10 Mobile. Um, and it does sound sometimes like we're sort of giving caveats all over the place. But, uh, you know, from a user point of view, I, I absolutely agree that it, it's disappointing, but also you know, kind of understanding why these things happen. And there are finite resources around. And, you know, I don't really see it any different to sort of software updates not being available for, uh, you know, other older phones. And it's happened particularly in the Android world. The application one is particularly damaging, I think, just because people have a kind of expectation that they will continue working. It's not unreasonable to think that the application you have on your phone will, you know, continue working. I mean, them not being available is one thing. So as I say, I think yeah. probably a bit more trouble to come. And we'll no doubt talk about that when if and when it happens, which I, you know, we kind of predicted sort of from Microsoft's um, saying it will, you know, sometime early next year, that that may come about, but we'll just have to wait and see on that one. Yeah. Now, well, I'll draw a halt to the podcast there, Rafe, unless, unless you happen to be a NatWest customer with your online banking. I don't happen to be a NatWest customer, but it is right to say they've done an update. <laughs> they've got continuing support. I wish more banks would do it. All right, we'll leave it there. Uh, we've, we've kind of run long. This this podcast should last you now for about nine days. And then Rafe and I will try and pick up a Tuesday schedule for the next podcast. But in the meantime, I'll say goodbye and I'll let Rafe sign off. Uh, it's a goodbye from me as well. As ever, thank you for listening. If you've got any questions, get in touch and please tune in to the next episode where no doubt we'll be talking about the X3 again as Steve continues his five-part review. <laughs> but we'll also be covering some other topics as well. Thanks very much. Thank you.